The Real Men Connect podcast is brought to you by SoulCon Ministries, helping disciple men in a digital world. To find out more about the SoulCon Challenge, the six-week Special Forces Challenge for Christian men, just go to soulcon.com. We're blessed to have the Basic Solutions Group as one of our ministry partners. The Basic Solutions Group is one of the leading app creators for ministries worldwide. So whether you want to maximize your impact or multiply your ministry's message, then check out the Basic Solutions Group at basicsolutionsgroup.com. And to see what they can do for you, just go to your app store and download our Real Men Connect app for free on any Android, iPhone, or mobile device or tablet. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Guys, we have one of those special days today. We're not interviewing a man. We're interviewing a woman. And this woman is Nita Bells, and she's the founder and executive director of the nonprofit organization called In Our Backyard, which she started back in 2006. And she's the author of a book by the same title. Now, Nita's book is considered a primer for human trafficking in America. And Nita's also the Central Oregon's Regional Director for Oath um, Oregonians, easy for me to say, against trafficking humans. She works all across the nation helping victims and survivors of human trafficking and raising awareness about modern day slavery. And Nita holds a master's degree in theology with a concentration in human, I mean, in women's concerns. And Nita is not only an advocate, but she's also a wife. And she's been married to her husband, Dan, for more than 30 years. Now, I came across Nita in her book, In Our Backyard, after I received an email from one of our listeners, ironically, a woman, and I wanted to have her on the show. But not just talk about educating us on human trafficking, which she will, but more so the mindset associated with human trafficking and what we can do as men to prevent it and what we can do as men to protect our families from it. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome our guest, Nita Bells, to the Real Men Connect podcast. Welcome to the show, Nita. Thank you, Joe. I'm so pleased to be here. And I'm pleased to have you. You know, we talked a little bit off the air about this topic, and we know there's a lot of ground that we need to cover. And, you know, before we even get into the questions, I kind of believe you got to be talking about this a lot. How often do you how often are you on the road talking and discussing this topic? Well, in the next six weeks, I'm going to be home one week. Are you serious? (laughs) Good gracious. Wow. Wow. Which, you know, and that's going to lead into one of the questions I plan to ask you a little bit later on. But let's go ahead and start because I want to make sure we maximize this time together. Um, Because I told you, Nita, I got a lot of questions for you. But let's start with what I always ask men when they come on our show. And even though you're a woman, this is going to be no different for you. What is your favorite Bible verse and what gives you inspiration from the word of God? My favorite Bible verse is Galatians 3.28, and it's, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that has been my verse forever. I, 
I, I believe that if we all practiced just that one verse in the Bible, that what I do every day won't be necessary and a whole bunch of the sin in our life will be gone. Wow. It's just loving one another the way Christ loved us and remembering that the ground around the cross is level, not one above the other. Everyone is equal. You know, what a wonderful Bible verse. Uh, I remember um, I was with a group of men one day and we were just kind of getting together as a small group. We were at a restaurant, about six of us, and they were debating, you know, things in the Bible, you know, theological stuff and everything. And so they, everybody wanted to get their take on what do they believe is true about this, about this particular thing we were arguing and di- discussing. And then when they got around to me, they said, Joe, what are your thoughts about this particular topic? And I said, well, um, I said, well, I don't have really have time to give my opinion on that because I'm still focusing on the love God and love others part of, of the Bible. <laughs> I said, I'm still trying to master that part. If I can get to that, then maybe I can handle the rest of that stuff. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying, because if we learn how to love God with all our heart, soul and mind and learn and love others as we do ourselves, then Nita, why would we be struggling with all these other issues we're facing in society? Right. You know, unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. So now, so let's get started because I got a lot of questions for you. And first of all, Nita, you have to tell us what stirred your heart and inspired you to go into such a heart wrenching, I think is a heart wrenching ministry as human trafficking. Yeah. Well, I was working on my master's degree in theology. I'm a workaholic. And so God told me I had to quit working. So I went to school and (laughs) figured out a way to go back to work, uh, although I'm a full-time volunteer. Anyway, I was working on my master's in theology with a concentration in women's concerns. I had done a lot of work in domestic violence uh, because I'm actually a survivor from my first marriage. And so it was a natural crossover to begin studying human trafficking. And when I saw it, I said to God, that is the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. I have to do something. And what do you want me to do, God? When I asked God that, I was a little surprised about the answer because I've never been one of these people that wanted to write a book. Like that's like clear down the list of the things (laughs) didn't want to do. And that's what God asked me to do. So I wrote my first book, began doing research. There was hardly anything written in 2006. And I began doing research and meeting people and seeing opportunities. My first book was released in uh, 2011 after I finished my master's degree. I self-published thinking no one would publish me. And by the grace of God, It went really well, and a publisher came after me, so now we've got the second book. But in the meantime, I have friends in the movement across the nation, and we work together trying to stop this atrocity. You know, and you mentioned about domestic violence because my my wife, she had in her prior marriage, she had gone through that as well. And it's interesting to see how how God brings beauty out of ashes because what you're doing now, my wife is not— you know, targeting the same area, but she, in a sense, ministers to women. She runs a fitness business. 
And she always tell them that the last thing she's concerned about is their body. They think they come to her because of their body. <laughs> and it's really emotional side of it that she deals with. Because she said, if I can help you deal with the inside, your outside will take care of itself. And I think in a sense that, you know, with you talking about going through domestic domestic violence, that probably something stirred in you that, boy, we need to get to the root of this. But now, Nita, this is kind of off the topic because, you know, they don't see this from the people who are listening out here. But, you know, when I have I have you on Skype via Skype and I had a chance to see you. Now, you've been married to Dan for over 30 years and but you were married before. When did you get married? When you were five? You look pretty young. <laughs> How old were you when you got married the first time? You are so kind. <laughs> yeah, I was six. No. <laughs> kidding. I was 18. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Now, how long were you in that relationship before that ended? Three years. Okay. Wow. And I guess, and when did the, the violence start? When I was pregnant with my daughter. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, very common in domestic violence. Oftentimes, the physical violence starts uh, upon pregnancy. There, wow. Domestic violence is more than just a physical violence. The verbal and emotional abuse is actually harder on a woman than it, or, or a male than the physical, but it, it becomes physical often during a pregnancy because her attentions being turned to that child are a threat to him. Wow. And see, now... Nita, you bring it up now. Another reason I need to bring you back on the show, because ironically, and please don't get mad at me, Nita. Do you know we have not done a show on domestic violence in oh. over a year and a half that we've been on? <laughs> and I can now I feel like I can kick myself that we haven't done that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people we can bring on to talk about it. But now that you said that, because I didn't know that you were a victim of domestic violence, but to know that now, especially now doing what you do, yeah. I would love to bring you back on the air to talk about that one day. Yeah. Yeah. We call human trafficking domestic violence on steroids. Wow. That's that's a great way uh, of explaining it, because that was kind of going to be my next question to you, because it's the obvious question that I'm sure you get asked a million times is um, because because that's a way for I think for us as men to understand it. But when you're typically on a stage and you're in a group around a group of people, um, how do you define what human trafficking is all about? Well, we talk about the fact that human trafficking wasn't even a, a crime until the year 2000 when uh, Senator Chris Smith of New Jersey brought about the Trafficking Victims Protection Act and something that for years we thought was simply a, a you know, something that uh, was prostitution or, you know, indentured servitude. Now we know it's a crime called human trafficking. Wow. Wow. And you know, and you're thinking, man, 2000. So what were they calling it before? Before it wasn't a crime in the United States. It was uh, prosecuted under indentured servitude, mm -hmm. forced prostitution, and there's labor trafficking and sex trafficking. So, you know, there are, there are a myriad of crimes that those can be prosecuted under. But thankfully, now we have human trafficking crime and there are things happening to prevent it and to recover those who have been trafficked. And so let me get this right, Nita. So when, when we talk about the topic of human trafficking, we're also talking about um, what we're more familiar with is the sexual or sex trafficking, but also labor trafficking. Right. Now, could you explain that a little bit in detail so we'll all be on the same page with you as you discuss this topic? What is labor trafficking? Labor trafficking is the use of force, fraud or coercion uh, for 
some type of labor and they may be in debt bondage to somebody. It, labor trafficking is almost always foreign-born nationals brought into the United States. Sex trafficking is almost always American-born citizens mm-hmm. that uh, are being trafficked within the United States. So labor trafficking could be uh, a nail salon. It could be agriculture. It could be restaurants. It could be housekeeper, nanny. Really, any way that somebody can earn money mm-hmm. can be turned over to labor trafficking. Wow. Wow. And see, and we're going to get into that in just a second about how big this problem really is. But as I continue to speak across the country myself and I interview guests and I listen to other radio podcasts and I read books, I notice that the topic of human trafficking, particularly sex trafficking, is starting to come up a lot more often. I'm talking about I can't go at least a month before I hear another topic about it. Why do you think that's the case that it's becoming it's gaining so much momentum and attention these days? Well, I think it's a wonderful case because all the traffickers ask of us is one thing, and that is that we be quiet about it because then they can keep doing. And that's what we did. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, we encourage people to talk about it. And it's in talking about it that we find solutions. We find awareness. Awareness, this this movement is built on awareness. Unless people know that it's happening, know that it's happening here and know what to do, then, you know, we aren't even at square one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you mentioned to me before we came on air, you said, Joe, no question is off the table for me to, to um, for you to ask. And so I'm going to start with a general question that I want you to really give it to us straight. How bad is this problem in America? It's bad. It's really bad. I could, you know, there people that buy sex know that know where to look. I could put an ad on one of those websites and within minutes I could have hundreds of calls. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now, I, when I was on your website, um, I came across uh, a lot of um, data and statistics. And I'm going to share with you, you know, I want to hear from you since you're all, you're always in this because I pulled some stuff from your site. But what is the most shocking thing to you statistically about this problem in America? Uh you know, I, the stories are always the most shocking. Yeah, I, I in fact, yesterday... I have a dear friend who's a survivor and she lives near me and and we talk often and she was talking with one of my staff people and my staff person brought her phone over and showed me the text that my friend had sent her and she said, have you ever seen this before from the survivor? And I I had to say, no, I haven't. It's the things that happen to these victims are the most shocking that humanity could actually do that to another human being. It breaks your heart. Now, so Nita, as a, as a believer in a woman of God, when you see this stuff, and my, my wife um, used to be an ex-cop and she told me that men, male cops and female cops handle the job differently. And she gives me a lot of insight to um, how they handle it differently when it comes down to internalizing a problem where she says a female cop, she, talked about what she was witnessing. But she says, Joe, it just hardens your heart. You've been in this quite a while based on the stories and the things you've seen and witnessed. Uh, how has your faith been shaped or shaken by this? You know, I would say that I know God and I believe God in a in a 
in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, oftentimes I see Christians and they'll see somebody being sold for sex on the street and they'll say, oh, I pray that she becomes a Christian. And, you know, that is just absolute ludicrism mm. because a lot of the victims of human trafficking are strong believers. They are being sold. It's wow. blaming when we say that. Wow. So what, you know, I had a, a survivor tell me one time, have you ever gone into a hotel room and had seen a Bible under the edge of the bed? And I said, you know, I think I have. And she said, we used to do that all the time because knowing that Bible was there made us feel like the Lord was with us and that we'd be safer. So, yeah, it's um, it's a different world than we sometimes see it from the outside. So I, I'd say my faith has gotten broader and I, I really realize that. But for the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. You know what? And you mentioned about what it does in you when you hear us as Christians say, boy, I hope they find Jesus or whatever. But basically what you're saying that it'd be better if we put some feet to our faith. And, yeah. and do something about it. And because if you do shine, you know, darkness cannot, darkness, darkness can only exist where there is no light. But if we shine the light and then it's going to expose that darkness, you know, yes. but, you know, and it's, I'm glad you, when I asked you the question about, you know, what has been the most startling thing to you, you have a unique perspective and another, for lack of a better way of saying it, a front row seat. And so you're right. The stories, even when I tell people, when I travel on the road, it's the stories that I hear that I just can't explain to them what it does to your heart when you hear it. But I do want to share some statistics that I pulled from your site that I thought was just jumping off the page to me was that there's 27 million slaves in the world today. 27 million, 27 million to me, that's almost 10% of our population in America, which is unbelievable that you can think one out of every 10 people in America, if we heard that, we'd think that's crazy talk. That yeah. one out of 10 Americans are, are enslaved. I also saw on your site that 80% of all trafficked, uh, trafficked um, individuals are female. Now, I thought it actually would be more than that. And you're saying about 50% are children, which is sad to hear. But 80%, that's a lot. But I thought it actually would be more than that. So there are a percentage of males out there who are being trafficked as well? So labor trafficking involves males more often than oh, females. Gotcha. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. so uh, sex trafficking, you're going to be in the upper 90s, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. mid to upper 90s for primarily female labor trafficking. You're going to be, I don't know the exact stat, but probably more than 50% of labor trafficking victims are male. Okay. That makes sense. You know, I also saw on your site that it brings in about $150 billion trafficking Thanks. does. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, now, we're not talking it's about 150 million, 150 billion. Yeah, dollars. those are uh, international statistics, uh, the 27 million and the 150 billion. But still, we've got plenty of it right here. Yeah, yeah. And now I'll tell you something else, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit on this, is that you, you said on your site that the average age um, of entry into sex trafficking is 12 to 14 for girls, 11 to 13 for boys. But I know that that's it's kind of hard to kind of quantify those numbers but man, that's really a young age where they're starting. How does that happen? Well, it happens today. It happens most often involving technology. Oh, that's, gotcha. 
why I tell parents, you know, when you give your kids those cell phones, you have to have all of their passwords. You have to monitor those phones. It doesn't always happen, but I recommend that those phones come into mom and dad's room at night and they're charged there and given to the child the next morning. But when you've got them, you check those cell phones because it's not that your kids are bad. It's that your kids are kids Mm -hmm. and they're vulnerable. They're naive. They're um, they're kids. And so it's our job to protect them. You know, and we're going to get back to that later on in the show, because I know that's one of the questions I was going to ask later on about when it comes to um, which what tips should we give us as fathers. Um, but we're still talking about the topic in general. So I'm, but that's a great that's some great advice that you just gave. And so we'll come right. We'll repackage. We'll open that back up again later on in the show. I want to get into uh, another question I wanted to ask you. As much as I hear this topic being discussed now, I told you it's coming up more often than than not now. Why is it, and again, this because maybe I'm just limited to my word, to what I'm seeing. Why is it that I only hear women talking about the topic like yourself and not men? Now, I'm not saying that men don't discuss the issue, but I noticed that it's primarily or almost exclusively been women who are addressing this issue. Why do you think that's the case or am I just looking in the wrong places? No, I think I think it is, you know, there are some men involved in the movement. The CEO of uh, Polaris, which is what I call a granddaddy of all human trafficking organizations in the United States, is a male. But it has been primarily women addressing the issue. And, you know, it's it's very parallel to the domestic violence movement in the 80s where women address the issue. And really, the majority of the problem was men. And so, yeah, it's. Sadly, that is what it is. So thank you, Joe, for stepping up and being a man that steps up to talk about it. You know, so based on what you're saying, Nita, that that it's evolving and that eventually we will have more men coming into it, talking more about it. Because I think we need as men, we do need to kind of um, rally and be that, you know, be out in front talking about it. There's a, a guy we've had on the show who's a good friend of mine. He's also one of my ministry partners. His name is Cody Bobe, and he's in charge um, and he's running one of the fastest growing men's ministry nationally, globally, pretty much in the world. And when we were doing some strategy about vision casting and that kind of thing, do you know he put that on the table as one of the things that we should be focusing on? And I thought, and it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. And he says, Joe, we have to focus on this because he said, Joe, men are driving it. That's right. So if we have this many men coming together, listening to my podcast, um, joining his men's movement, and we have this much access to men, we need to start pushing this agenda through it. And so we can help the people. I call you guys the foot soldiers out there who are on the front lines out there in the trenches seeing this thing firsthand. And if we can stop the <laughs> stop the demand for it, maybe we can um, help the supply, you know. But, yeah, I wanted to know that. But I didn't see that. Yeah, that it's going to evolve. So you're telling me that it, there is hope that it's going to catch up and men are going to step out more on this topic. I think men are starting to step out more. I would love it if it was, you know, Galatians 3.28. We're all out there together. But I, I think if I'm realistic, I look at the domestic violence movement and it's still primarily women. And so I think I think that we'll have some men out there. But yeah, I, I hope it's I hope it's really thought about. And you brought something up before we were on the air about the demand mm-hmm. and how men can make a difference. And 
can I talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we're. I was going to get to that uh, in a minute. If you want to just put a hold on that for a second. Yeah, yeah sure. Because I, I definitely want you to cover it. I told you that when I brought you on the show, we, we, <laughs> we have to, I want to spend as much time focused because I don't want to have to go back. I want to stay focused on that when yeah. we do it. Because so, man, if, if we, if we had to shut down this podcast after this interview, this, I want this to be captured in the archives. So for later on in history, somebody can listen to this and say, okay, maybe we can do something about this as men. So just kind of, um, Table that for just a second, Nita, because uh, okay. we're I, definitely going to get into that because that's the reason I brought you on the show. Now, I want to start and we're going to ease into that in a second. But and this may seem like a weird question. and You probably never been asked this before about human trafficking because we, we know a lot about the victims. And you're going to share with us some of those telltale signs and the, the people who are surviving um, human trafficking. But is there a typical profile of a human trafficker themselves? If so, what are some of the characteristics of one. In other words, how can you tell somebody is susceptible to becoming a human trafficker? There are families of traffickers. Uh, if you really? notice, yeah, if you notice, I don't call them pimps. I don't call big, although if you're a pimp, you're a trafficker. Right. But our society has glamorized that. Yes, they have, unfortunately. So we call them what they are, traffickers. We don't call the people that purchase Johns because there's a lot of nice people named John. We, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. So we call those sex buyers because that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the victims are victims. They're not prostitutes. They're not in the sex trade. They're mm-hmm. they're victims of human trafficking mm-hmm. or survivors. So, yeah, there isn't really any telltale sign. If you were raised in a trafficking family, you're probably going to be one. Right. Uh, but other than that, I I can't tell you what makes a trafficker. And so that, but in the same sense, that means that anybody is susceptible. Any man, we're saying anybody, because are there women who are um, perpetuators of this that you find oh, trafficking? Yeah, there are female traffickers, not as many as you might see in the news. Mm-hmm. So within a trafficker's stable or group of girls that uh, females that. I'm going to say he traffics, there's a hierarchy and they're all trying to be his favorite. They, and that favorite gets a name. She's called the bottom. Mm -hmm. That bottom has second in power to the trafficker. She gets to make the dates for the other girls. She collects the money. The trafficker gets a hundred percent of the money. She meets out punishment. If the girls aren't making their quota or doing whatever they need to do, she has second in power. She also has to do the dates, but because she's enforcing and recruiting and doing all of those things, she in the eyes of the law is a trafficker as well. Right. Uh, it's it's a hard it's a hard decision to make even for law enforcement and the DAs when a, a bottom is arrested for trafficking, but there are also women that maybe have been trafficked for a lot of years and they say you know what I, I'm going to be the boss I'm not going to be bossed anymore and so they they will go into it themselves, wow. but I've I've not ever seen I'm not saying it hasn't ever happened but I've not ever seen a woman that is is going into uh, trafficking just because she just thought she'd do that. Right. Like males do. So even no matter how you look at it, it seems like even if a woman is becoming a trafficker, more than likely she was brought into it by a man. More than likely. Wow. Yes. So which is a great segue. Now, let's, you know, you table it just for a moment, but we're going to bring it back now. Let's talk about this because I, I admit and I told you, I don't know a lot about this topic, even though I hear a lot about it. 
um, as I travel. And that's why I brought you on the show, Nita, to kind of enlighten us on it. But it seems everything that I see or read about this particular topic is geared towards helping the survivors of human trafficking. And God knows we know they need it. And it's geared towards getting them out of the life or um, redeeming them and restoring them back to being a whole person. But but what about the perpetrators and the participators in human trafficking? If you could talk to a group of them, <laughs> what would you say? And this is now the time for you to bring in anything you wanted to share as if because I'm giving you this platform to address because I'm not I'm not even saying that the men who are listening are human traffickers, but we are men. And the thing is, if we, even if they're not out there listening to this, we probably know somebody who may be doing this or capable of doing this. So if you were talking to a group right now, the whole audience were human traffickers, what would you or participating in it? What would you say to them? What I would say to them is that our society has groomed you. Mm. Our society has made it OK to talk about women as though they were less than men. Our society, um, I'll tell you a story. We were on a cruise ship a couple of years ago and the comedian we were told was PG. We went in and listened to him within the first few minutes. He said, the only thing I know in Spanish is where are the prostitutes? Wow. And he got up and left and the crowd, we were in the front row. We, I, it was like, I cannot sit in this. And I, my husband and I got up and left and we went straight for the cruise director and talked to him about it. But our society has groomed men to think that is funny. That is something you do. That's a bachelor's party. That's, that's boys will be boys. That is not true. That is not true. I I think that what we need to see is that those are real people. Those are not women. Those are not those are not a prostitute. Those are not something less than we are. Those are precious and valuable children of God. Mm -hmm. And they have feelings and they hurt and they have no desire to do uh, do what they're doing. I was in church one day and sometimes our pastor will say, you know, greet the person next to you. But this time he said, I want you to tell that person what you do. And I don't always like to tell people mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to the man next to me and I, I just asked a bunch of questions, frankly, to try to get out of it. And finally they were wrapping up and he said, no, no, wait, you haven't told me what you do. And I said, well, I do anti-human trafficking work. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, he was tearful. He said, thank you. He said, one time you were talking with our pastor up front and you said, if fewer men viewed porn, we'd have less trafficking. Mm -hmm. And he stopped again and he said, thank you. And he was an upstanding member in our community. He was a leader and he had been viewing porn. And what he needed to know was that the porn he was viewing was actually sex trafficking with a camera. Right. Wow. And once he knew that, once he knew those were real people that were being injured physically, emotionally, spiritually, and not by their own volition, he stopped. So that's what I would say to those men. I would also say there is help that, uh, especially right now with porn, it is an addiction. It's the new drug. 
men are, and, and women too, but more often men mm-hmm. are addicted to porn. It's the place they go when things get too stressful at work, when they have troubles, it's that drug, it's that high that they get. And nobody needs to know because they're on their computers and they're by themselves. I'm here to say somebody does know, and there is a victim and there's a place online that you can get help for that. It's uh, fightthenewdrug.org, and you can go to www.fightthenewdrug.org and get help. So I wouldn't say to those men that are participating in human trafficking, you know, I don't want to smack them. I don't want to. I don't want to be mean to them, but I do want them to know the truth. Mm. The truth is, you're hurting someone. And she is a precious child of God, and it needs to stop. And you need to get the help that you get to stop. Wow. And Nita, thank you so much um, for sharing that. And because this is close to home with me, and Nita, I hope you don't just cut me off the air (laughs) (laughs) because we just met. And but um, because I deal with men and we deal with pornography all the time. And the men out there listening know my story, but you don't know my story. I don't. And it porn had ruined um, ruined my first marriage. And uh, I wish so- I could just say it was porn, but people say, well, no, Joe, it was your adultery <laughs> that uh, ruined your first marriage. Yeah, that came as part of it, but it's all started with porn. And what the reason why I'm so happy that you shared this with us, and because you're down in the trenches, you're seeing this, and it's what I refused to see when I was in the midst of my sins and in the middle of all of this stuff, because I'm looking at it as a man, um, this is harmless. It's not hurting anybody. And, but not realizing that porn was the gateway to start. And I've never heard anybody in all these years that I've been working with recovery groups, um, getting men, you know, breaking this, this, this bondage to porn. I've never heard anyone say that porn is really sex trafficking with a camera. I'll never forget that as long as I live that you just said that. Um, but it started out as porn. And then, of course, porn did not satisfy. And so it kept evolving and evolving. And then I said, OK, now I got to go see the women in person. So I'm going to strip clubs, you know, and then I go to the strip clubs and I see the women in the strip club. Again, not looking at it from this perspective, what you're saying, you know, not looking at that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's sister. That's, you know, that's somebody's mother. You know, and I'm not looking at it from that standpoint, just feeding my flesh. And of course, it evolves from that to, okay, how can I get this woman to go home with me, you know, or meet me at my hotel? And then it evolved in, you know, one is not enough. I need to be with as many as possible, but never stopping to pause to see what damage this is doing to them, to them emotionally. Um, what it's doing to them, not not only what it's doing to their physical bodies, but spiritually, because I'm being a very bad witness. And by the way, I was a Christian, <laughs> you know, yeah. so for men, to, yeah, for men <laughs> think, oh, you know, no, I can't imagine. And this is me walking with the Lord, supposedly, you know, yeah. but the context of thinking, because then you get to a place that you're exploiting these women, you're objectifying these women, you're abusing these women, whether you lay a hand on them or not, you're abusing them. And not once did you think that this started with what? Pornography. It started there. I ne- you know, you, could you think, that, how did it get this far? How did it get this out of control? And it took over seven years of recovery to me to finally understand the damage 
and to hear you talk about it this way because I never, never, and here I am, that all these all these degrees, Nita, and never once thought, how's this connected to sex trafficking or human trafficking? What was the process that these women went through to get to my hotel room? You see what I mean? On that stage? I, I never even tried to connect the dots to that. And so that's one reason I wanted to bring you on because we think anything that that little thing that we think is so innocent can lead to so many bad things. And some of the things you're saying, I mean, it's going to be etched in my mind. One thing you, 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 you're talking about um, with domestic violence, that's pretty much um, human trafficking on steroids. I never heard anybody say that either. <laughs> that That's very, very powerful. And so thank you. Thank you for um, speaking to that man. And thank you also for not beating us up. Over oh, no, 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 no. God if knows I, that once you come to your senses, you beat, beat yourself up enough over. But thank you for not beating us right. up. But if I beat somebody up for that, then somebody's going to have to beat me up because I ate too much food last night for dinner. <laughs> right. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. God is great on a curve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, honestly, I, I meet and uh, I meet people at times and they're. Like, uh, you know, I spoke to a group of, of firearms owners the other night and, you know, great group. But of course, I knew this was coming. They're like, yeah, we'd like to take these guys out and shoot them. Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, you know, I can't go there yeah. because, first of all, those are God's children. You're going to take out and shoot It's somebody's son. It's somebody's daughter. And secondly, you're not you're not solving the problem because another one just comes up. We've got to have people like Joe Martin on the radio, educating people. And we've got to change our culture Mm -hmm. because until we change the way we view these things, it's still going to happen. No gun can fix that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my wife shared something with me and only could come from a woman. I tell you (laughs) that, (laughs) I've never read anywhere. I've never heard anybody talk about it. And I guess because I really didn't even want to think about it. But Nita, maybe you can understand um, because when she told me my my mouth hit the floor because, I, you know, I often said and, and you've heard a lot of people say this. OK, speaking to men, you know, what if that was your daughter? You know, what if that was your wife or your girlfriend or your mom up there, you know, as a stripper or, you know, whatever she's doing? in that magazine on that internet site. What was that? And then we hear that because we think that's going to stir the heart of the man to think, okay, I'm going to see, you know, if I just think about them as my daughter, my wife said something that totally freaked me out. (laughs) She says, Joe, that doesn't work. I said, what do you mean? She says, Joe, when you tell a man that, imagine that's his daughter, that's his mom, that doesn't work. She said, Joe, here's, you know, and here's why it doesn't work. And here's a different way a man could look at it. She said, Joe, what if, you, if they showed these women being exploited in pornography as a stripper, but you could not see her face. Okay. And I want you to follow me on this, Nita. You can't see her face. You don't know who she is. And you're with your boys, you know, your, your homeboys and you're hanging out at the strip club at whatever this party or bachelor party or whatever. And they're covering her face and you're all into it. And then they remove the mask or the hood from her and you see it is your door. Yeah. It is your sister. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. She told me, I I mean, I like, (laughs) oh, she says, Joe, 
until you said the reason why men, it won't affect men to look at it as being their kid. Because they'll say, I'll never do that. She said, Joe, deep down inside, he fears that it could be his daughter and he would watch. Yeah. It could be his wife or uh, some other, his best friend's wife and he would watch. He doesn't want to admit that to himself. He said, Joe, if, if anything, that should show him how how sick this illness is. Yeah. Because Nita, in all honesty, she's right. Yeah. She's she right. We we just happen to see the face. Yes. Yes. But if the body absolutely. looks good to us, we're watching. Yeah. You know, we'll touch. We'll we'll go there. And I'm thinking, wow. I said, I told Tanya, I said, I never heard anybody say that. She said, Joe, that and she said, until men get it on that level to understand how sick this is, they'll never get it. And so I'm man, I'm hoping that God anoints this show. And us even talking about this, even to this level, because I obviously haven't had a man be able to come to talk about it on this deeper level before, <laughs> even when we talk about pornography. But now let, let's shift it. And, you know, because I don't know, guys are probably freaking out now. They're listening to us driving or something. But let's switch switch gears because I'm running out of time. But I want to get to now what we can do to support you and what you're doing and also what we can do to help ourselves and our family. Because I, I told you I wanted you to tell us about human trafficking. But but what we can do to protect our families against it. But let's start with what we can do to prevent it. What can we do as men to prevent sex trafficking other than not looking at pornography? Right, right. Good start. I think the the main thing we need to do is talk about it Mm -hmm. and understand that it really is here in our backyard. It is here and it is happening and talking about it is what we've got to start with. That's all the traffickers ask is that we not talk. So talk about it, begin to read. Uh, You know, I'm shameless about promoting my book because it will, no one can read that book and go away and say it's not here and also not be motivated to do something. There are things in every chapter that you can do as a man, as a woman to help stop this atrocity. One of the things that we're doing at In Our Backyard from my domestic violence days, I knew that the the best time to catch somebody who needed help is inside a bathroom stall because that's the only time they're alone. And so we in uh, 2011, came up with freedom stickers that go inside the bathroom stalls. In Oregon, where I live, there is a law that those have to go out with a renewal of a liquor license and they go inside the bathroom stalls in every place that has a liquor license. They're in 48 states now. Anyone that's listening can get on our website and get those. We do ask for a small donation and if to cover the cost, but if you don't have that, we'll give it to you for free. We just want those freedom stickers inside bathroom stalls across the nation. They contain the National Human Trafficking Hotline and Text Line, so a victim can can see those and really just ask for help. Wow. So basically the key is awareness. It's just create as much awareness about this. And I think what a wonderful idea with the freedom stickers, because I mean, shoot, even as, as men, we can do that. <laughs> you know, we can put up, we go to the bathrooms, <laughs> you know? So, but um, that's a great idea. I got to check that out. That is good. Yeah. We have a lot of church groups that go out and, you know, you need men and women because they need to go in the male and female right. bathrooms. And it's right. a, it's a great church project. Right. Now, I know it's probably impossible for you guys to um, kind of track that stuff, but have you been able to track how effective that campaign has been of having the freedom stickers? 
You know, we, uh, I'll tell you a story real quick here. We went to, um, we have a, another thing called commun- convenience stores against trafficking. So we're targeting, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, targeting convenience stores across the United States. We're in over 6,000 convenience stores now. So one of our local heroes and board members has a convenience store and he put those in the bathroom. He said, you know, Nita, I don't think we have that stuff here, but I'm willing to do anything to help. And he put those up within a short period of time. Somebody came in and just scratched out the hotline. Wow. Um, Yeah, I was talking to the U.S. Marshal over human trafficking for Oregon, and he was so excited when he heard that. He said, when I hear that, I know we're in the right place. (laughs) um, So and my friend has had to put those up multiple times because people defame him. He's in a nice area of town. He doesn't Mm -hmm. even carry condoms or anything like that in his store. He's, but it's there, it's here. It is in our backyard. And that's the thing that we've got to know. Now, and you mentioned a convenience store um, kind of um, target now. And this sounds kind of crazy. I said, you guys, is there data to back up why you chose convenience stores or did you just choose it because it's convenient? (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Actually, I was raised in a small grocery store and I knew that traffickers bring victims in there and we didn't realize until we committed to that what a absolute home run it was but one of the other things we do is we do anti-trafficking work surrounding super bowl and Mm, uh, last eight super bowls and so the last let's see phoenix san francisco houston the last three super bowls we have put freedom stickers and targeted convenience stores and it was a home run wow you know and that's a whole nother topic about around Super Bowl Sunday. And, and you know, and I'm starting to hear more and more of men, I'm talking, which is great that men are putting out on social media um, yeah. when they're getting ready for the Super Bowl saying, hey, we're getting ready to celebrate the Super Bowl. We're getting ready to root for our team. But don't forget, this is probably the most popular days for sex trafficking and exploitation of women. And I know most men don't want to read that or see that in social media right before they get ready to watch the game. But it, it but it needs to be brought to your attention because it is true. And that's a whole a whole nother topic. But um, before we, we close out the show, you told us now what we can do to prevent it, which is create awareness. And you guys have a lot of resources on your website and we definitely going to show them how they can get there. But let's t- I want you to talk to now to the men and what we can do to protect our families against this. Yeah, I think the first thing, again, is education. If a child, you know, if your child's ready to read something like that, but I've had children as young as 12 years old read my book and they understand it. They know what it is. And uh, then they can understand what to do about it. We also go into the schools and talk kids about it to do prevention. Talk to your kids about them. Let them know. Let them know that, um, you know, if they get in with the wrong crowd, you're not here to to get them in trouble. You're here to help them. And so, you know, extend a hand, make them understand that you're there for them and, and that you will help them. And, you know, protect them, like I talked about earlier, with the cell phones and, and other mm-hmm. things. Watch their behavior. You can get on our, our website. There's there's a lot of information about that. Um, but, yeah, I think I think communication, open communication, uh, being having relationship with your kids, knowing your kids friends when 
our kids were younger, we were kind of the house that the kids hung out at, you know, they're, they're all adults now and they still come back to our house. Uh, but we, they always called my brownies the, you know, oh my gosh, those are amazing. I'm like, no, that's a box brownie, Betty Crocker. (laughs) But you know, it's, it was the relationship that they had. They had, you feed them, it, it increases the relationship and, and they feel safe. So um, I guess that's the main thing is having a relationship with your kids. Take that time mm-hmm. because it goes so fast. You know, and Nina, you mentioned how busy your schedule is in speaking. And, you know, I, I speak at a lot of schools. So that's my background is in education. But oh, what, what age groups do you target? Because I'm, I'm surprised they allow you and even talk about it. So what, what schools are you, are you talking to? Middle schoolers, elementary schools, high schools? Yeah, middle and high schools. Middle and high school. Uh, we're we're looking at increasing our schools program right now. Um, we're looking at a couple of programs, and it's it's just really important that they know at a young age. Sadly, children are uh, sexually abused at, at young ages, and that makes them much more susceptible to sex trafficking statistically. We've got to, we've got to catch them before they are lured into it. We've got to show them what it looks like. So yeah, it's just, it's just really important. Education is so important. You know, in which you just alluded to the last question I want to ask, um, because I'll tell you, man, because I, you know, my background is in education. My background is in education before I got into being a ministry leader of men you mentioned about abuse being at the cornerstone, even with my problem, because I never would have dreamed that I would have done what I did. But I was abused, sexually abused as a child when I was only 12 years old for three years. I'm so and, sorry. Yeah. And so that and I realize now that that precipitated a lot of other things that happened I, um, right after that. But for the person out there who's a youth leader, a youth counselor, even athletic coach or maybe an educator, you mentioned that abuse is one of the telltale signs that lures them into this, to make children victim of this. Are there other things that we need to um, identify to see if kids can be at risk of becoming a victim of human trafficking? It's no, it's no secret that kids that are in the system, in the foster system, are at a higher risk. Kids that are not attached to their parents, and yet it happens. If you read the first chapter of my book, uh, a young girl we call Sarah that came from a nice Christian home. Her parents' marriage intact. She was involved in her youth group. She was a straight A student. She was lured in her high school by another student who was a bottom in their recruiting. Mm-hmm. And so I I would say that it can happen to anyone. Traffickers are predators. If if I'm in the woods and I see a a cougar, that cougar is going to eat me if I do certain things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have to know how to respond to predators. Predators look for vulnerabilities. And so any vulnerability will will make that child susceptible to sex trafficking. And the traffickers capitalize on that. If she's mad at her mom, if she's feels like she's not loved, if she feels like she's not as cute as the other girls, if, you know, any number of things can make them vulnerable. And so we like to say they move from vulnerability to exploitation. Oh, boy, goodness gracious. And so, and it goes back to what you just told us as parents, as dads, is that, um, it's about communication and relationship. Yeah. And so it, it, I guess to kind of summarize it, that if we're looking for children who could be at risk, make sure we as a responsible adult can 
build a relationship and communicate with that kid that that kid can talk to us and about anything, even if they're, you know, talking to the wrong group, that we should be able to keep tabs on them and hold them accountable. And you mentioned earlier in the show about knowing their friends, because now they're using young people to right. lure some of these other um, children into um, human trafficking. So, wow, right. I tell you, and Nita, we just we pretty much we kind of just scratched the surface and because we reached the end of the show. I can't believe it's been that <laughs> went by so fast. But guys, don't you worry. We'll be back to do it all again next week with a new guest and new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. But I'd like to thank my guest, um, Nita Bells, for joining us today and for being so gracious with her time. Thank you so much, Nita. You have blessed me, and I'm sure you've blessed our audience today. Thank you for joining us on the show. Oh, my goodness, Joseph. Joe, you have just, you you were a great show to do, and, and I loved your heart. I loved your heart. I, I knew that before I even came on. So thank you. Well, and thank you for um, just giving us an insight into a world that I guess maybe some of the other guys out there knew about it. I, I have no idea. And I can't wait to read your book and to get um, deeper into this because- with this position of being in front of men, I do have influence. And my thing is, if they're not going to find out for themselves, then I must do whatever I can to educate them. And so, which reminds me, if they wanted to find out more about in your backyard, how could they get in contact with you or how could they find out more about your book, some of the stuff you guys are doing? What's the best way to reach out to you? Well, if they can just remember one thing, and that is our website, inourbackyard.org, I-N-O-U-R-B-A-C-K-Y-A-R-D.org. And if if they can go there, they can find my book. They can find information on how to help their family. They can contact me to book me for a speaking engagement. They when can- do you have time to speak now? You can, you're on the road all the time already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to meter it. <laughs> <laughs> but in so in in our backyard.org is the best way, right? In our backyard.org, you can go there for anything. All right. And now also need to do you you know, we're, we're joking about your speaking, but you'll go anywhere in the country, right? It doesn't you're not just targeting a geographical location, are you? No, I go all across the nation. I do not go outside the nation, but I do go all across the nation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Fantastic. And we'll make sure to put um, your contact information in the show notes so they'll have um, access to you. And man, thank you again. Thank you for listening. And please do us a a quick favor. And it's a huge favor. Um, And this is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program, particularly this episode with Nita today. Let us know what you thought about it and how you liked it. And because when you rate the program, it's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. This is one of those episodes you definitely want to share with your male friends. So until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed. As always, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. 
Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Real Men Connect is a listener-supported podcast, and we're now the number one radio podcast on iTunes for Christian men. If this podcast has blessed you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to bless and transform the lives of even more husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders, please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. Just go to realmenconnect.com and click on the donate button. And may God bless your faithful giving.